Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we answer a couple of your voicemails. But first, could Josh Rosen be the answer for the Buccaneers at the backup quarterback position? You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Rock Auto. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at bucksnation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at jyarko underscore bucks, at dharrison82, and at Bucks underscore nation. David, you had a uh, an interesting read up on BucksNation.com about potentially addressing the backup quarterback situation. And seems like quite a few of our listeners, at least on the Twitter sphere, agree that uh, the answer might be out there somewhere in the form of a trade. Yeah, at least, I mean, the people who are supporting the trade idea are definitely being more vocal, I think, than the people who aren't. Uh, but basically, Cody Benjamin of CBS Sports uh, went ahead and wrote up a little a little column about some trade ideas he had for teams around the NFL that they could make, you know, before the season, before the training camp gets underway. And he included the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in one of those trades where he where he theorized or hypothesized that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could send safety Justin Evans and a 2021 fifth round draft pick to the Miami Dolphins for 23 year old 23 year old quarterback Josh Rosen, uh, of course. First-round draft pick formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, now with the Dolphins via the trade that ended up bringing Kyler Murray into the Cardinals franchise. And basically what he wrote was, quote, Tampa is firmly in win-now mode after pairing Bruce Arians with Tom Brady, then luring Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. But if the Dolphins are dangling Rosen, and why wouldn't they be? Jason Light would assuredly remind Arians that he's still got to keep at least one eye on the future. Current Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich was Rosen's interim offensive coordinator during his rookie year in Arizona. Rosen is exactly the kind of heady pocket passer who can learn from Brady, and Tampa has not a single developmental quarterback in the pipeline. Evans is expendable now that Antoine Winfield Jr. is in town, and he'd at least make for a low-risk, high-reward addition to Brian Flores' defensive backfield where Minka Fitzpatrick's old spot could still use help, end quote. And James, at the end of that post, I went ahead and posted a poll for our BucksNation.com readers to sound off on, and so far, 73 uh, percent of the voters say no. However, there are some comments in there supporting the trade, and and one specifically from Kansas Buck, that's his screen name, says, I don't mind going after Rosen, but I don't want to give up on Evans. We have a hole at safety until it's fixed. Keep throwing dudes at it. He was very promising when he was on the field. Now, on Twitter, on the Lockdown Bucks Twitter page, I posted the exact same question, the same poll, and it's only been running up for even less than a day, and already 56% of the respondents actually say yes. And we've got some other uh, interesting comments on there. And one of them says, uh, this is uh, Chris at Cynical Bucks fan says, voted yes because he's a great young quarterback who has had zero legit opportunity. Uh, plus, I'm a Bruin, so I'm super biased. Chris from Southern California there. And I think it's an interesting conversation to be had, James, because you, one could argue that Josh Rosen really didn't have a legit opportunity. I mean, not many quarterbacks, even successful first-round quarterbacks, come out and just light the world on fire in the first year. And then to have his head coach and really had that team kind of shaken up after that first year. Uh, and then a new regime comes in, they ship him off to Miami where they're in, in a, in a, in a bad situation to end up 
purging. I would, you know, I'd say probably half the real talent on their roster uh, in, in a regime change there. Josh Rosen, you could argue. I mean, we've we've heard. I don't want to call them excuses, but we've heard people say Alex Smith, you know, had so many coordinators in the so many first years of his career. So that's kind of a problem or a reason he maybe didn't hit his ceiling. I, f- I feel like Josh Rosen probably deserves the same kind of latitude and the same kind of flexibility. So it kind of makes sense from a certain standpoint. However, at the same time, James, I'm reminded that when he came out in the NFL draft as it is, I really wasn't high on the kid anyway. So I don't know if I would support Josh Rosen coming into Tampa, but I can't deny that it's an interesting opportunity and at least a good portion of Bucks fans, more than I expected, support it. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big Rosen guy when he came out, and I do feel bad he kind of got you know, buried his first couple of, of seasons, whether it was on bad teams or with bad coaching staffs or whatever the case may be. And, and at this point, I would almost be worried that his confidence is sh- so shaken that he'll, he'll never be able to dig himself out. Now, could it be in a, in a situation where – you know, he knows that he's coming in to be the backup behind Tom Brady. He knows he's going to be working with, you know, uh, an offensive-minded coach like Bruce Arians. He's going to be reunited with his um, yeah, interim offensive coordinator from Arizona in Byron Leftwich. Maybe that's the situation where he can go in and he can get his head straight and he can get, just kind of sit back, really learn the game, let the game kind of come to him and reach the potential that people saw when he was a first round pick. Again, I'm not a huge advocate of, of a trade, you know, especially shipping off Evans. If, if that guy is able to get healthy, what a dangerous weapon he could be on the back end of the defense. But I understand the people that support it. I understand kind of the thought process behind it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't come on this show and bash the move if they ended up trading for Josh Rosen, but I can sit here and say I don't believe that Josh Rosen would be the future for the Buccaneers after Tom Brady in the 2022 season. Right, and I mean something else to throw out there too, James, is that in order for Justin Evans, I mean I'm not a CBA expert, but I'm pretty sure that in order for Justin Evans to get traded to the Miami Dolphins, you'd have to be able to pass a physical and in order to pass that physical, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that puts him in position to be able to play uh, at least in, in some sort of realistic time frame. Uh, so if, if the Buccaneers have a guy like Justin Evans in a position to play in a realistic time frame, I agree with what you just said. I agree with what some of the other commenters are saying. I think the value in keeping Justin Evans on the roster, if he can get back on the field brings more predictable value to your team than having Josh Rosen as a backup quarterback. Uh, again, we go through this conversation every single year. Next year, there are going to be other quarterbacks that people just just stand on a table for and say can lead a franchise in the Super Bowl. There are going to be third-round quarterbacks people say could develop into high-talent uh, players and, and guys like Trent Dilfer who can you know game-manage a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, so options for quarterbacks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not exactly a desperation move right now, I don't think. Um, but I, I do think the idea has merit. I'm, again, surprised at how many people support it. I just don't think that I'm one of them. All right. Well, before we move on to some voicemails, David, of course, we have to give a shout out to one of the sponsors of the show. For those of you that don't know, look, I, I've been going through it for about the past month. My car flooded like water was halfway up inside my car. I've only had this car for two years. Boom. Totaled. I had to scramble, race around, shop for a car you know, to get myself back on the road. 
And I found one that I absolutely love. It's a Nissan Rogue. Love all the space and everything, but it's not perfect. You know, a lot of cars aren't. When you're buying a used car, it's not going to be ideal. So a beige interior, when I have four kids, not a great thing. I need to cover up those seats. And to shop for those seat covers that are the perfect fit for my Nissan Rogue, I'm heading over to our friends at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, and car seat covers if you need to darken the interior to avoid some spillage stains from your little ones. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals as well as the do-it-yourselfers. Why should you have to spend up to twice as much for the same parts that the local repair shops are getting? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that the locked on network sent you over there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Hi guys, it's JT from Texas. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about the fifth-year option and the CBA rules have changed. They went more into the Pro Bowl, which I don't care about the Pro Bowl anymore. It's All it is is a popularity contest. Uh, but that's going to affect the money with the fifth-year option players when we pick up the option. Well, I was more focused on, which they didn't talk about, how that would affect the draft itself and wanted to see if y'all would touch on that. Like, for instance, um, the kid that the Packers chose, the quarterback, I think they got him with the fifth-year option, or with the first pick for the fifth-year option. Now he's not going to play and he's not going to do Pro Bowls. Would that have changed their opinion with the fifth-year option? If you think they're going to play... Dive into that if you get a chance and focus more on the draft itself. Y'all have a good day. Keep them coming. Go Bucks. Midweek here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. And that was JT from Texas talking about the new CBA provision, uh, which will begin next year with the 2018 draft class, about how the fifth-year option is going to be executed and how it's going to be enforced. Uh, the players gaining a little bit. The the league, honestly, the owners, really, the teams didn't actually gain uh, a whole lot of ground in this whole thing. They actually gave up ground and something that's going to be better for uh, the players in the long run. So, James, uh, I, I know that you pay close attention to the CBA negotiations, negotiations that they were going on, but for any of our listeners out there who are not familiar with what JT is referring to, in the new collective bargaining agreement that was agreed to this year, uh, beginning in twenty with the 2018 NFL draft class, so next year's fifth-year options, if a team decides to pick up their first-round draft picks, fifth-year option from, again, the 2018 draft class, that option now becomes guaranteed as soon as they decide to enact that option, as soon as they pick up that option. Whereas 
with the 2017 draft class this offseason and then every year prior, from the majority of the years prior, when they picked up that fifth-year option after the, after the player's third season heading into the fourth season, that option was not actually fully guaranteed until the next year, the next beginning of the league year, and it was only guaranteed against injury. So if a, if a player was released because of uh, a talent or you know lack of skill, lack of playing time or whatever reason, um, that, that money was not guaranteed. However, if the player was injured or if the player finished the season on the injured reserve, then that money was still guaranteed. This now changes that to where those players will have their money fully guaranteed. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they pick up Vita Vea's fifth-year option, which unless the sky falls down on Vita Vea, I don't see how that's not going to happen. As soon as, they, as soon as they pick up that option, that money for his fifth season will become guaranteed. Now, they also changed a little bit of the structure of the payout of the fifth-year option. And that's a little bit of what JT was talking about as well. So if you have a fifth-year option player whose option is picked up and they don't meet certain play criteria and they don't make a Pro Bowl, a single Pro Bowl in their first four seasons, then they will get a certain amount of money that's equal to the transition tender for the third through 25th highest played players at their position. If they, make, if they don't make any Pro Bowls, but they do meet certain play criteria, it's like 75% of offensive or defensive snaps, special team snaps don't count into that, or 75% of total play time over those years, then they get the transition tender amount uh, for the top 20, I think it's third to the 20th players at their position, so a little bit higher. Now, if a player gets their fifth-year option picked up and they made at least one Pro Bowl on the original Pro Bowl roster, I think that's really the big part of this is it's the original Pro Bowl roster. So if you make it as a replacement – it doesn't count as far as these terms are, are concerned. It's just the orig- original roster. So if a player makes a Pro Bowl in those first years, then that amount increases to the franchise tender of the top 10 players of that position group, or not the franchise tender, the transition tender, sorry, which is the average of the top 10 position or salaries at that position. If the player makes two or more Pro Bowls, again, on the original Pro Bowl roster, then that amount, their fifth-year option amount, increases to the franchise tag amount. And that's where the, where the real money comes in. Um, I found an article that was posted by on SB Nation that actually refer, referenced you know, Jalen Ramsey. So under the current arrangement, uh, the Rams are going to have to pay Jalen Ramsey under that fifth-year option about $13 million. With this new arrangement, if Jalen Ramsey applied to that, which he does not, but if he did, they would actually be paying him north of $16 million. So that's about a $3 million difference. When you look at the orchestra, the construction of a roster, that's a role player. That's a backup linebacker. That's a you know that's a that's a that's a couple secondary players in depth there. Uh, special teams guys that you can add to your team, and everybody knows those are some of the glue guys that you really need to make those deep runs, especially if injuries happen. So that three million dollars may not sound like a lot on the surface, but it's actually a pretty significant amount. Um, so James, JT, so obviously Pro Bowls, right? JT is talking about Pro Bowls and how they're popularity contests. I tend to agree with them, um, but first and foremost, I mean all those changes. Uh, I guess, what are your original thoughts? We didn't really talk about it when it happened, but what are your original thoughts on all those changes with the franchise or the uh, fifth-year option? I think it's great for the players, but I think ultimately what we're going to start to see happen now is we're going to get those long-term extensions before the fifth-year option has to be enforced. You you, you just laid out the numbers perfectly for Jalen Ramsey. You have a guy like that, you're not going to want to – chew up $16 million for one season, you know, and then possibly see him walk in, in free agency, or you have to franchise tag him. Now you're paying that amount a second time. 
what I think what we're ultimately going to see is we're going to see these GMs and these player agents sit down and work out a three, four-year extension after that fourth season where they don't have to pick up that fifth-year option. They don't have to pay that fully guaranteed money in, in one season. They can you know, give the player his value, but also be able to structure it in a way that, that isn't detrimental to the team. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, to, to go back to your original point, I, I agree wholeheartedly that the teams gave up a lot. The owners gave up a lot in this uh, and really gained nothing, whereas this is a, a huge bump for the players. I just don't know how many fifth-year options we're going to see moving forward. I mean, Vernon Hargraves would not have had his fifth-year option picked up in a situation like this. O.J. Howard may not have. We don't know. Let's let's see what his utilization is you know, heading into this year and, and if that was somebody that they actually would have utilized that option on. And then, of course, we're definitely going to get an answer when it comes time for, for Vita Vea. At the end of the day, I I don't know. I, I just – well, I we'll get to the – we'll get to the Jordan Love stuff in just a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly you're, – you're on the right track there. I think that what we're really going to see, the biggest change we're going to see this change in the CBA and the, the execution of the fifth-year option, uh, the, the biggest change we're going to – the ripple effect, right, is going to be in fewer fifth-year options being exercised. I just think that's uh, – like you said, Vernon Hargraves. If Vernon Hargraves is coming in – coming out of his third season uh, with these rules in place, I don't think the Buccaneers pick up his fifth-year option. As it is, they traded him – or he ended up with the Houston Texans uh, they declined his fifth year. They ended up rescinding that fifth year option because they could do so, and then they re-signed him for like one point three million. When the fifth year option would have paid him nine million dollars, and that's something that teams could do. And that's essentially kind of, I think, probably the point in this whole thing is that for for those first round draft picks uh, who felt or who exceeded expectations, right? Pat Mahomes is one that's going to come up. Uh, he's a guy who's far exceeded those expectations. That's a guy who getting him under that fifth year option, you're getting him for a year where it's it's a lot cheaper than you would have got him if you had to franchise tag him or if you had to re-sign him. So teams could essentially use that as kind of a, a way to fiscally give themselves more flexibility to maximize that playing time. Well, if in that fourth or fifth season, Pat Mahomes goes out and tears an ACL because he's doing what he does and you know bad things happen sometimes, knock on wood, uh, for him, well, the team is really not out a whole lot of money. They, they're not out their future. They haven't had to really dive in and commit to that player who has given them such a high level of performance for the first three years of their career. So it kind of forces teams to say, Hey, you're either going to back me or you're not going to back me. And you're going to make that decision with enough time for me, my team, my agents to really get set to set the table for free agency. And I like it actually. I really think it's a good thing, a positive thing. Uh, same thing. I don't know if OJ Howard's fifth year option necessarily been picked up, but again, right. If I'm looking at a guy like OJ Howard, I'm like, Hey, listen, OJ, again, it's going to force that team to make a decision. So if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm going, you know what, OJ, I don't really want to pay you that transition tender amount. Uh, however, we do want to keep you on the team. How about after year three, we work on a three-year extension at a modest amount. It's a, it's a good amount of money. It's not the same amount of money you would make if we picked up your option. However, it gives you three years of stability, three more years on this team to, to work and develop, and maybe you get a big payday in that six, after that sixth season, uh, and you've had a little bit more time to develop. So it kind of works out there for both sides. I think, I think it's really a good thing overall, uh, but I do think we're going to see a drop in the use of the, the fifth-year option uh, because of it. Now, moving to Jordan Love, uh, the player that JT specifically talked about, Green Bay Packers quarterback, first-round draft pick. I think that this situation actually plays into the Packers' hands because 
they're not expecting Jordan Love uh, to play, you know, 75% of the offensive snaps you know, in his first three years, cumulatively or in any one given season. And they're also not expecting him to make one Pro Bowl, let alone two or even more. Um, and again, remember, that's, that's original rosters. Um, so for the Green Bay Packers looking forward into the future, into Jordan Love's fifth-year option, they're probably going to get his first two years. They're going to pay him, you know, his first-round rookie wage scale uh, amounts, and that's going to be a lot of money for a guy holding a clipboard. But maybe that third year, maybe even that fourth year, they're going to go ahead and they're going to pay him. Uh, they're going to pay him a, a modest salary to become maybe a starter. I think that most likely you're looking at fourth year at the earliest that he becomes a starter in Green Bay, barring injury to Aaron Rodgers. They pick up that option in the third year. He's already passed the opportunity to make one or two Pro Bowls. However, if in that fourth year, or fifth year, he gets those escalators, what you've got is a young quarterback who's only got two years of NFL tread on his body now, and he's made back-to-back Pro Bowls, original roster Pro Bowls in the NFC. Doing that, you'll happily pay him that one-year franchise tender, and what it's going to do is it's going to secure time for you to, to orchestrate an extension, or it's going to give you time to see if he's a one-hit wonder, a two-year wonder, what have you. So it's really a no-lose situation for the Green Bay Packers. So I don't see a lot of changes in the way that people – draft except for maybe the running back position see and to me it makes the drafting of Jordan Love that much dumber because the Packers now in my opinion unless we're going to see a nasty bitter breakup like we did with with Brett Favre in Green Bay the Packers are going to have to make a decision on that option having never seen him play in a regular season game yeah, if if Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy, which I understand is a concern, Aaron Rodgers is not going to lose the starting job to Jordan Love at any point in Love's rookie contract as long as Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay. So it makes the move even more puzzling. Now, I mean, you you have to make a decision on this on this fifth year option, and if you decline it and you try to work out that long term contract. And you say, you know, now you have the potential to have a starting quarterback at a lower rate, which I understand. But Jordan Love will also have the option to take a look around the NFL landscape and say, you know what? I've sat here for four years behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm going to go be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns or you know, the, the Los Angeles Chargers or the New York Jets. You know, I'm not going to wait around anymore. You guys can go draft another quarterback, which you you know, should have waited to begin with, and I'm going to go make my money elsewhere. So, yeah, I, I think the entire drafting of Jordan Love by the Green Bay Packers was completely asinine and just a terrible, terrible decision. It was a really weird, awkward flex by the head coach that is – going to blow up in their face one way or another. Whether that's Jordan Love leaving or Aaron Rodgers leaving and winning a Super Bowl somewhere else or you know the animosity created by this gets the head coach fired. I don't see a happy ending for the, for the Packers in this situation. But with the change in the fifth-year option rules, it makes the drafting of Love that much more questionable because of all the variables, because of the potential that they would have to make that decision without seeing him play a meaningful snap in the NFL. It was just bad all around. Yeah, I mean, that, those are very valid points. And see, and this is why I love about football, because I feel like 
as an organization, they're going to learn more about Jordan Love and whether or not they're confident in him as their starting quarterback moving past the Aaron Rodgers era during workouts and during meeting room sessions and during film review. And because I think that a lot of what goes in being a successful quarterback, you look at the Peyton Mannings, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady's of the world is the mental preparation, the study and the acuity and the understanding of the game. And they can gauge that from the meeting room, from the film sessions, from the playing room or from the practice field. Now you're correct that can that mental acuity transfer to the football field? That's going to be a huge question. They may not get to see that. So that is definitely a big factor, but I feel like, if you're confident in the quarterback's preparation and, and, and homework that you're going to be more confident moving forward and picking up that option is a little easier to do when you're picking it up from the third to 25th transition tag value versus the franchise tag value. But yeah, 32 teams playing the same game with the same objectives, 32 different ways. I love football for that reason. Exactly. You and I disagree and I guarantee you our, our audience is about 60, 40 split one way or the other on who they agree with. Uh, so just w- interesting stuff to look for. Thanks for the question, JT. I think it's going to be exciting to see how it all pans out. Uh, and then five years from now, we'll be able to look back and say whether it was success or a failure. But James, something that we already know is a success has been Built Bar's marriage to the Locked On Podcast Network, and it continues to be so, which is why Built Bar is still a proud sponsor of this show and every other show on the Locked On pa- Podcast Network. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you haven't heard about it, Built Bars are the most tasty, the tastiest protein bars you will ever taste. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got a ton of amazing flavors. In fact, I'm looking at the back of an oatmeal cookie with walnuts bar, and I'm telling you this candy bar basically tastes like a candy bar, right? Only has 160 calories, 5 grams of fat, but it also packs 18 grams of protein and just 3 grams of net carbs. So whether you're looking for something to add to your health routine, your nutrition routine after your workout, or you're looking for weight management, Literally, you can find a way to fold Built Bar into anything you're doing into your daily routine. It's great for the health-conscious guy. It's great for losing or maintaining weight, like I already said. It's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They've got nut and non-nut flavors built and, and completely constructed in separate facilities. So if you have a nut allergy or a loved one around you who does, you don't have to worry about cross-contamination. And right now, you can still go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off your first order. Again, use the promo code Locked On. For $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. James and David, it's your buddy Jim in South Carolina, also known as South Kakalaki, of course. Hey, I uh, just want to say first off, hope you guys are doing well. Hope your families are safe in this uh, crazy times that we live in with all the quarantine and stuff. Uh, we're doing great down here in South Carolina. In fact, uh, my wife and I just spent this past uh, Memorial Day weekend, three days there on the beach. Uh, on the coast, Surfside Beach, which is just uh, literally a stone's throw south from Myrtle Beach. So if you're living in a state where your beaches are closed or your, um, you know, everything's closed or whatever, then come on down. We're open for business. But uh, talking about that, the whole quarantine thing, I'm going to steal this from another podcast, and I can't remember which one, but I thought you guys would love the question. And the question is this, if you had to be quarantined with any current or former Buccaneers player or coach, who would it be and why? So, again, current or former Buccaneers player or coach quarantined with, who would it be and why? And it doesn't matter how long. It could be a day, a week, a month. doesn't matter. So it's up to you guys. Can't wait to hear your answers. And, um, hey, man, love the podcast, as always. Keep cranking them out. You know I'm going to listen. Uh, I'm going to go online right now and order from Built Bar. And uh, as always, go Bucks. 
It's a Wednesday edition of the Locked on Bucks podcast. And a big thank you to our friend Jim from South Kakalaki for the voicemail. And it's an interesting one. And David, I've been, I've been thinking about this because I don't know what direction to go in here. I guess for clarification, David, we need to be on the same page here. Is it just ourselves and this player in the quarantine? Or are we talking my family is bunking with this family? No, How do the, you- the, the way that I took that question was, I don't know, like we were traveling, they were traveling, you know, the team's going through the same hotel or something we are. And I don't know, like maybe we're doing an interview or something in the hotel room and, and it's like, boom, lockdown is happening. Nobody's leaving the door you're sitting behind right now. It's over. Who are you stuck with? Okay. All right. All right. That's, that's kind of how I took it. I mean, I already know who my answer is. All right. I want to hear your answer then because I'm still – Still don't know who I'm going with. So I want to hear yours. All right. So 99, Mr. Warren Sapp himself, that is who I want to be isolated with because you know something? I'm going to sit there the entire time we're quarantined and I'm just going to ask Warren Sapp random story questions. I'm going to say, hey, Warren, have you ever drank a Slurpee? And he's say, yeah, brother, I've had some Slurpees. All right. Tell me the last time you had a Slurpee. And that story is going to be amazing and hilarious. And I'm just going to have to sit there and soak it all in. Nobody's going to expect me to share. Nobody's going to expect me to contribute. He can entertain the both of us the entire time we're in there. And really, if you're going to be quarantined and isolated with one person, I think that's the key is the ability to be entertained. And for both of you to kind of get what you want, Warren loves the spotlight. He loves being the center of attention. I enjoy laying back, being the fly on the wall, not having to perform in front of people. So that that relationship there works perfectly. I think we come out of that isolation, both of us in live and our mental acuity intact. Okay, so I have to make a decision here. And I think... When it all comes down to it, if I'm stuck with this guy for a day, a week, a month, whatever the case is, he needs to be the kind of guy that I feel like I could just sit down and have a beer with. I'm going Joe Juravicious. And I think Joe Juravicious is the kind of guy that is just as laid back as it gets and just kind of goes with the flow. So if if we're sitting there in a room and they're like, boom, lockdown's happening. You and whoever else is in that room right now, you're not leaving until we say it's okay. We're just going to look at each other and be like, all right, let's start getting to know each other. Let's start, you know, what's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite movie? Let's find some common ground. And we can just sit there and, and hang out like I would hang out with, with one of my buddies and, you know, just shoot the crap for, you know, however long we're stuck in there. Joe Jurevicius has been a player that has always been one of my favorites. The I still remember how heartbroken I was seeing the story on SportsCenter about his son that that passed away and everything that he and his wife went through. Yeah, you know, has started a a hunting. Yeah, you know, he's a professional hunter. He started a a hunting ranch in Nebraska with uh, former Seahawks teammate John Howell. He was on North American Hunter chasing down moose. He's just kind of, you know, the everyday dude. And, and to me, that's the kind of person I want to be stuck in quarantine with, not somebody who I am going to drive insane with my constant pestering about their NFL career, but the kind of person that I just feel like would be my buddy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that too, but I think uh, a room with Joe Jurevicius and I trapped in it would get very boring very quickly. But then again, you know, you know my personality and I can perform when I need to perform and and be the uh the comic relief, so to speak. So, you know, when when he's kind of, you know, just leave me be, I can entertain myself. I'm good. 
I and I wouldn't fear that he would cuss me out or hit me or or <laughs> you know anything of that kind of nature. Listen, I'm I'm U.S. Army combatives trained, so I think Warren, nah, he would he would fold me like a lawn chair, but it would be it would be a fun experience. Either way, it's a great question. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed having to sift through all the names. Yeah, well, and of course, I also thought about guys like Warwick Dunn, uh, Mike Allstott, Derek Brooks was another one. And then I thought, you know what, if I really just want to come out of this quarantine with the most epic zingers and getting my brain to process things in a, a completely new fashion, I'd have gone with John McKay. No, nobody was better at the one-liners than the original Buccaneers head coach. But with that, David, I think we are out of time. So please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure that you are sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Now that you've finished Locked On Bucks, make sure to head to your favorite podcatcher of choice and check out Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and be good to one another. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.